Welcome to the Three Wins Podcast, brought to you by Legacy Advisory Partners, an Atlanta-based financial services firm that believes that the key to unlocking your company's full growth potential can be found in the Three Wins Framework. My name's Sean Lydon, and I'm the producer of the Three Wins Podcast, and we have an amazing episode for you today, where Russ Clemmer, the president at Legacy, joins Mark Walker and Matt Joins on Legacy Senior Leadership Team to talk about smart cash management strategies for businesses. In the last couple of episodes, we talked about why it's absolutely essential as an entrepreneur or executive to know your numbers. And that requires being able to pull together accurate data from multiple sources to run scenarios that can help you and your team with business planning and decision making. Now, the question is whether your company has a lot of cash on hand or not so much. What should you be doing with the cash you do have to make it work harder for the business right now and for the long term? What are the biggest mistakes companies make with cash management and how can you avoid them? And what are some of the best practices and strategies that successful companies deploy to help them make smart decisions about where to put their cash? We'll deep dive into these topics and more on today's episode of the Three Wins Podcast. Mark, Matt, thanks for joining again today. We've got a great discussion topic. Everybody loves talking about money, right? Cash. And we've kind of gone through the Know Your Numbers framework and why that's important. The last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on episodes five and six. We've been focusing on the forecasting ability, the ability to sit and say, all right, here's what we know. Make sure that's accurate information and then turn around and be able to create accurate forecasts of an, any number of different scenarios. You know, kind of build the worst case scenario all the way to what's the big bright future if everything goes as according to plan. So today, though, we want to stop and take a step back and say, in the middle of all that forecasting, looking at these numbers that are hypothetical and, and, you know, we haven't achieved those numbers yet, what would happen if we did? How do we plan well for that? Most companies have cash that's sitting in a bank account, and they don't necessarily know the best way to handle that cash, to manage that cash. And so you got all kind of a couple of different groups of people, right? You got people who say, no, cash is king. And as long as I've got plenty of cash sitting over here, I know that I can weather any rainy day. Then you have other folks over here who say, no, let's be aggressive and earn whatever we can in this, you know, with all the cash that we have, or a lot more cash than we have. And really, you want somewhere in between where you have cash and you're managing it in a best practice situation for the short term. What are your needs? And for the long term, what cash do we not need for a certain period of time? And really make sure that you're letting it be at work for you in different ways. So that's what we want to talk about, both the right way of thinking about your cash, your corporate cash, and some of the best practices in managing that cash for any of those forecasting models to be able to work out. That's kind of a good tie there. So thanks for joining us again today. Absolutely. I'm glad everybody's on the headphone kick too. Yeah, we're all just playing video games on our second screen, I'm sure, but <laughs> we're watching a, watching a ball game or something. But Matt, you, you mentioned something the other day, a good quote about the stress level that comes with cash management. And, you know, what was that again? Yeah, just the, uh, there was a study that was done that, uh, you know, 
from having the burden of not really knowing uh, how you're going to pay your bills, you know, having the cash flow, having basically knowing your numbers and knowing what's coming in, what's going out, having that burden of just knowing how you're going to make ends meet. It takes such a bandwidth toll on your mind that the study showed that on average people were losing about 13 IQ points, which is a pretty significant number. Uh, it's a, it, it I know a I don't have that many, I don't have that many to lose. <laughs> right. So I gotta be, yeah. I gotta be careful. I, you know, if I lost two or three, it would be devastating. Yeah. So I got a 13. You don't want to go in a, a negative territory there. <laughs> <laughs> What's the average IQ? Like 120 or so. So it's yeah. uh thir- that's a pretty significant amount. Sure. 13 points. Yeah. I'm from South Carolina. So it, it, you know, I think it depends on where you're from, what the average is. Okay. Sure. That's very true. Regional. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's a, that's an unnecessary amount of stress, yeah. right? It's an un- unnecessary risk to take. And that's part of, you know, that there's, there's large corporations that, you know, they, they've, they've kind of gone into this territory, right? They've said, all right, we've got this cash, you know, it's on the balance sheet and what should we do with it? Right. So there's one area of, uh, you know, folks who may be listening that you know, we've already gone into that and, you know, maybe there's some good, you know, some good strategies, some good, you know, ideas that we can uh, pass along their way to improve what they're doing. But you also have a, probably the vast majority of companies out there who have cash and they don't do much with it other than just keep it there to pay bills. Um, and, and so that's part of that idea of, well, if you have cash, you should budget right? Create a budget. What, what are you going to do with that cash? Um, and knowing the, the forecast to be able to say, well, I need this much if I achieve this forecast, if I do this, you know, achieve this growth. You know, the, the idea of breaking your cash down into different groups with uh, budgeting is important. Uh, what is, uh, what, what are some areas of the budgeting process you guys think are are really important from a cash uh, standpoint. Well, you think about, you know, how you go through the budgeting process on a corporate or business side is very similar to the same process you would go through on the individual side. So you're looking at, you know, what are your, your fixed costs, you know, that it takes. So we would call that in the business, you know, what's your working capital, you know, your payroll, your rent, you know, all those kind of fixed items that you've got to uh, maintain on a monthly basis. And those are usually fairly predictable and kind of ongoing. Then you want to factor in, you know, what are the taxes, you know, as the business owner that you're going to owe for, uh, for that year. So making sure you're, you're escrowing and paying your taxes and accounting for that from a budgeting perspective, because those are dollars that are going to be flowing out pretty quickly. You want to look at, you know, knowing your numbers. So going back to what are the projected profits that that the business is going to generate this year, monitoring that, having a good process for that. Then think about, you know, what kind of money is needed for future capital? How much do I need to reinvest back into the business for it to continue to grow and, and develop? and thrive. So after you get that, you get to what we call excess cash or on the personal side, that would be you call discretionary income. 
some money that you know is set aside that you could do something with. So whenever you know that number, then you kind of the next step would be, so what's the time horizon on these dollars? Is it something that's available for extended amount of time in the future? Or is it more of a short-term need, maybe in that you know, two to five-year range? Uh, but trying to identify you know, this extra money that the corporation is currently holding, you know, how long is it going to be a part of the, the corporate asset picture and putting some time parameters around that. And that gives you the ability, you know, to kind of move into the next phase of, you know, on a personal side, you call it asset allocation of, you know, how you can deploy those investments and, and what's appropriate. Yeah, that's good. And, and you know, budgeting is a four-letter word, with, you know, so many, so many times, much more so forecasting what we've been talking about recently. But if you don't at least have a handle on how much you should spend to get X amount of return, right? That's a, that's the kind of an annual budget. How much is it going to cost me to achieve a certain level of, of revenue? That's the, the basis of any for-profit business. And then be able to stop and say, all right, when I, when I achieve it, what am I doing with the profit? What am I doing with the profit? And, and, you know, working through that is, it's not complicated. It's really not. That's what we help, you know, business owners, you know, walk through. Uh, it, it, it may be a little bit intimidating the first couple, couple times you do it. But when you get kind of get into a little bit of a rhythm of, of saying, all right, well, you know, here are the things that I know the profit has to go towards. You know, you got to pay, can't avoid tax. You know, you can do different things to, to reduce taxes, but you're always going to be, you know, paying taxes. Paying taxes means you've done something right and you made some money during the year. And you have, you're looking at, well, I got to, you know, I got to pay for the growth somehow. I got to reinvest a portion of this. What's, what's that, that bogey? And then kind of working into, you know, I need to keep X amount of money in the company for, you know, for various purposes. And, you know, after that, it's how much can we distribute? That's really what you're getting to. So, you know, if you're, if you're a business owner, you want a certain amount of, you're accepting the risk in order for the bigger return on the distribution side, you know, that, that, that the goose is laying the golden egg to continue to, you know, uh, give you a certain opportunity for, you know, wealth accumulation and certain lifestyle and certain experiences. Um, also being able to share that success with your, uh, with your employees and your key leaders who kind of helped you, you know, or helping you achieve all of that. But at some point you've got to, you know, you kind of stop and say, well, what's the right number in the business and how do I take advantage of that? And, you know, one simple way to look at it is you got 5 million bucks in the bank and, you know, you invest it at a, at a kind of a minimum level, you know, targeting something like a 1% return you know, just in a small way, $50,000 can do a lot to offset other costs. $50,000 can do a lot to, you know, pay for different things in the business that, you know, you would otherwise, you know, not have that same amount if you were just letting it sit there in a checking account. So uh, what are some, what are some good ways to think through the allocation options, right? We just kind of, it's easy for me to throw out 1%, but if you think about it in real terms, what are, what are some good allocation uh, ideas and, and to work on, you know, to be able to put that cash to work for you. So really 
like you said, it, it's not rocket science. It's not difficult, but it is um, about knowing your numbers and being able to kind of build out your model. Because when you're looking at uh, different investment options, you generally want to match those with time horizons. So, mm. you know, if we, we're not going to put cash that we need to spend in uh, upcoming projects or upcoming mm-hmm. expenses, we're not going to go out and buy, um, you know, a hedge fund or options or some something very risky because there's, uh, there's a lot of volatility and there's a chance that that money's not going to be there in uh, what we what we need it to do. I've had several friends, they're saving money for a house or something. They've got a large cash position and they don't, they don't feel like they want to have that much cash. So they ask me, you know, uh, how can I grow this money? Um, my time horizon is six months or a year. I'm like, well, uh, it's okay to have cash if you have that short term of, a of an obligation, because there's nothing that you can really do that's going to be that safe. Cause we, we got to have the money then, right? We got to have the down payment. We got to have uh, the money. Then we can't afford the risk. So that's the the mindset that's going to kind of carry over when you're building out, okay, here's how much money I need uh, for three months. Here's six months. Here's a year. Here's five years. And understanding that it's very fluid, you're building it kind of like a pyramid. So it's not meant to be exact. You can shift that money around. This isn't a showtime oven where you set it and forget it. You're constantly monitoring this uh, and you're able to change it and adjust accordingly based on your business needs, the environment needs, um, you know, what we've gone through so far this year, having shorter term expenses because there's a lot more unknowns, uh, having that capital to pay off those expenses and just having more certainty has been at a premium. So that's really how you want to look at it is, you know, building the pyramid kind of one, one level at a time. Yeah. So there's nothing I can put my money in for six months and get a 10% guaranteed return. Uh, no, (laughs) not guaranteed. I'm not allowed to use that word. None of us are. Yeah. That's right. The key, I think the key to it is if you look at going back and looking at history, you know, you can say that over a long period of time, having money invested in, you know, equities and stocks, you know, you are going to produce the most growth. But, you know, unfortunately, it's a up and down pitch over time. So there'll, there'll be periods of time, you know, when you'll lose money, um, you know, if you're putting money in, those are really become your most valuable investments. But uh, it, it really boils down to that time horizon. You know, depending on what that picture looks like, the shorter the, the time horizon, the less risk you're, you can afford to take. The longer the time horizon, the more risk you can take. So it's a, that will kind of dictate how you should be deploying your assets and setting up your allocation strategy. Yeah, right. Just, just like a, a target date fund in a 401k. That's, that's pretty much exactly what they're doing. They're looking at kind of your time to retirement and building out an allocation just based on your average age. 
Now, if you're a little bit more of an aggressive person or a little bit more conservative of a person, you can do some things to, you know, change that allocation to suit your needs. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're building uh, a portfolio, no matter what the purpose is or what the goal is, those are the things that you want to be thinking through and knowing that, well, we can dial the risk according to our personality. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things that we kind of come across uh, with this, with entrepreneur leaders is that after a certain amount of time, we see these leaders, you know, they've gone through the the startup uh, pain, right? The season of pain where, uh, you know, they've lost all 13, 13 IQ points and more stressing about how they're going to pay the next month's payroll, right? How they're going to achieve this next thing. And they've got, you know, four or five credit cards in their pocket where, you know, all of them are maxed out or they think all of them are maxed out and they're just trying to swipe one to try to get through the next little bit. Right. So that's one type of business owner, you know, the entrepreneur who's gone through that, and now they've started to get into a rhythm where they've got cash, they've got healthy, uh, healthy cash flow. You know, they're able to budget well, they know what's going on, but they still have that, that knowledge of what it's like to not have cash ready, not have to have, to have extra cash to be able to handle some, th- some ups and downs in their, in their business cycle. So how do, you, how do you talk with an entrepreneur who's got that memory you know, it's, it's branded into their psyche and how they've kind of gone through, you know, the upstart of their business. How do you walk them through getting them to a point where they understand all of my money is not sitting in this, you know, the, this one stock where, you know, if it, if it succeeds, great. If not, you know, then, then I'm out, you know, 50% uh, of my cash overnight. How do you walk them through that process of getting them comfortable with, putting cash somewhere other than a checking account. Well, part of it is, you know, when you go back to the three wins and you're, you're talking about with a shareholder, what's your shareholder win? So helping them see the big picture, what are you working towards and helping them identify, you know, what is it going to take to for you to become financially independent? So when they, you have that framework built out and they understand here's the, here's what we're working towards. You know, I, I know I've been through this, what we would call kind of the crisis season, which some people mm-hmm. may be in right now. So once you get, get beyond that, then you really want to begin to harness, you know, the crops that you're producing so that, that you're working towards, you know, meeting those long-term objectives and goals. So help them, helping them see the big picture and then mm-hmm. um, see how this new structure and, and ongoing process, they're, they're accumulating the money. You, know, you do want to have what we'd kind of in a personal, uh, personal planning side, you'd say your emergency savings fund or rainy day fund. So some, some capital in the business to, to help keep you going back to pay those working capital numbers. But beyond that, you really need to deploy those assets in a better way and and, uh, earn more money on the money that you're holding so that you can work towards that long-term goal. Yeah. 
and sometimes it's not the entrepreneur, you know, person who's gone through that startup uh, pain and, and gain uh, season. Uh, you know, we talk with business owners that, you know, they, they, they've owned a business for, you know, 25, 30 years and their most recent other than right, you know, the, the March, April, May kind of timeframe where, you know, there's still businesses are, who were struggling with that cash question, right. but their most recent memory is, is uh, 2008, 2009, the downturn. And so, you know, we've talked with several folks who, you know, I, I, I got a million bucks in my checking account and, and, you know, I'm not going to, that's staying there and, and, you know, I'm not going to do anything else with it. Cause I know, you know, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through that again. And so that's a real question in the back of people's minds. But what we're talking about is the money that you need, whatever. And this is a personal question, right? I, I think that's the, the key here is not, you know, there, there's, there's, market and, 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 and best practices that we see across different industries, right? Construction is a little bit different than, you know, IT because you've got bonding, you know, bonding needs and everything else. But across the board, there's a personal uh, flavor that kind of gets mixed in with cash management. What's their experience been like? You know, are they, are they someone who appreciates hiding it under the mattress versus someone who, you know, wants to go out and be an angel investor? But so you, you add in that personal. And so that's something that, that has to be done. And that's where we talk through kind of a risk profile and really learning about the person. What, what's that? How, how do we, what's the, what are the basics of going through that with somebody, Matt? Learning about their risk profile. Well, if there's somebody with a million dollars in their checking account and they're telling you today that the reason they're doing that is because of 2008, you know, we're 12 years removed from that. And outside of uh, kind of the flash crash that we had a couple months ago, which we've we've recovered quite a bit from. Um I mean, we we had very positive, steady, long bull market uh, the entire time. So just kind of picking their brain, you know, talking through that a little bit more, trying to diagnose. That's where, you know, we're kind of 50% financial planning, 50% psychologist. You've really got to read in between the lines and kind of get to know the person better to help them understand themselves. So if they have like they've seen how the markets have been they've seen the positive they see how the uh the averages go and they understand that even if that's the case you know this was just such a traumatic time it's really yeah imprinted in my brain that's fine you know there there is the human element and there is um you've got to be comfortable with the strategy that you're putting in place you can't just as much as it would uh be great if you could just be an emotionless robot and do it. We know that's not realistic. So you always have to consider uh, the lens that the business owner is looking through when they're doing these um, different planning situations. So trying to understand better and maybe they didn't understand, you know, the past 12 years have been very good and building, you know, having the building blocks and saying, well, we're not putting everything at risk, you know, for these years that it took for us to recover from that down market. Here's how those assets return. You know, they're much safer. We've got cash. We've got pretty low volatility, fixed income, things that aren't going to fluctuate quite a bit. Let's just focus on that during this time period and see how that performed. So if they can really understand 
the method that's going into building the portfolio and kind of layering those asset classes, those time horizons, and those uh, different risk profiles. If they understand all that, then maybe they they are more comfortable of moving that million dollars into something that's more strategically built. Uh, and it's just going to give them you know more growth for the long haul. We always think about uh, cash. We don't see the, the dollar amount going down, but we know inflation's happening, right? Inflation's the silent killer. It's a, it's basically an invisible tax that's happening. If we're losing on average 3% of our purchasing power per year, it's really difficult for us to imagine what that means without looking at it in a historical context. So if you're sitting in a, in a checking account that's paying you nothing, especially right now, pretty much paying you nothing, you're losing value even though it might not seem like it. So that's where the importance of building out that stewardship, building out the the portfolio and taking these different asset classes, putting them to your advantage. You're really trying to outpace that invisible tax of inflation because you might not feel it, but you'll see it in the long term. So have I told you about the three T's? Nope. <laughs> so, just kind of piggybacking on what Matt said. That, you know, as a business owner, it's really I was thinking the other day, it's kind of about managing the three T's. Yeah. So one is managing your taxes. You know, what are you expected to pay there? And then managing tolerance. So your risk tolerance, how comfortable, you know, if if Matt and I were the same age, which we're not but we're going back to that target date fund example, you know, that we're both working towards age 65. He may be more aggressive than, than I am, even though we're the same age. So each of us will have a different level of comfort in fluctuations in our account values. And then the last T is time. So what measure of time are we working towards in our own financial independence? And then even bring it back closer, you know, what's the time horizon on this, on these excess dollars. So taxes, tolerance, and time, three T's. Yeah. It's a great way to summarize three it. Wins. I like it. <laughs> we like the, we, we, we like three, three's a right. special number. There you go. I think the Braves lost by three last night, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the night before three, three in a row, probably. Yeah, hopefully not. Rule of three. All those uh, Yan- all those Yankee fans out there celebrating. They like they like the number three. Yeah. Yeah. So that that makes a lot of sense. So you know some of the some of the objections. Just to recap a little bit, emotional decision making. You know, trying to take as much emotion out of it as possible. Right. Personality and and risk preference and all of those things make sense, but the emotion side is where you start to make decisions that don't fit into a rhythm don't fit into a pre-thought-out strategy, right? So taking emotion out of it. And then uh, another one is the idea of cash is king. So I can, you can never have, a, 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 you know, too much cash. Well, that's, that's great, right? You are very stable, right? If you've got a lot of cash, you can, you know, your, your cash can absorb a lot of mistakes. But that's not what you want. You want to be able to make sure that the cat, you have the cash that you need for a specific growth strategy, specific growth timeline 
and, and be able to, to, you know, absorb some bumps in the road, but not all of them. You want to be able to take that cash that you have earned. The point is that it's been earned. You have paid taxes on it. And now you need to be able to move forward and say, how do I put this money to work? And the last one is that entrepreneur who's kind of been through that pain, right? Or they've been through a recent downturn, like in 2008, and they've kind of sensed, all right, now I've got to be really, really careful because I don't want to either have to lose people uh, or, you know, take a, 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 you know, some, some sort of uh, higher risk loan in order to be able to cover certain things. You, they want to make sure that they're ready to be able to do some of that. So that's, that's good. It, it's important to, to pay attention, like you said, Matt, to the 50% of our job being working through the, the psychology of, of investing. That makes a lot of sense. So when we sit down, describe our process for sitting down with somebody that says, you know what, I've not gone down this road or I've done, you know, I've done some things, but it's just based on what I understand uh, and kind of being able to to guesswork, basically put put together a cash management strategy in my business or even that budgeting process from the, you know, backing up from the three wins, the overall three wins you know, perspective. What are some of the things, the practical steps we take folks through and how do we serve as an advisor in that capacity? Yeah, I think you, you mentioned a few of those. So first is what we would call the IBIT budget. So developing, looking at the financials, developing that, building it out on budgeting for each of those items that we discussed, working capital, taxes, so forth. Um, identifying what's available from a excess capital perspective or excess uh, corporate asset. Mm-hmm. Then once you know that discussing the time horizon, the needs of that, then we basically begin, you know, developing the uh, allocation strategy. So, you know, how much should be in fixed income, how much should be in equities. Uh, and then for our large corporate clients, you know, we, introduce a what we call an IPM and a individual uh, portfolio manager that would basically design a customized portfolio for that company so to meet their their risk tolerance their time uh, time horizon and you know they would basically be managing the money so they can be tactical and uh, the money managers that we use are going to be interacting with our clients on a quarterly basis. So we're doing Mm -hmm. the account, Um, you know, and we think this is really the best approach. So you're not using what we'd call a retail approach of just putting, putting money into, into mutual funds and, you know, being subject to what everybody else is doing. You know, when you think about what's transpired during 2020, you know, the market hit an all time high in February Everybody was feeling good about your accounts. And then the next 30 days, you know, the market dropped the most ever, uh, the most at one time, you know, during that period, about 35% in the S&P 500. So if you're holding investments in a mutual fund during that time frame, you know, even fixed income uh, mutual funds, you could be, you know, if people are selling those accounts, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mutual fund company that you potentially lost money or incurred taxes because of everybody else's decisions. Yeah. So, so if you had a solid strategy, 
you knew what was going on as best as, as possible. Your, your time, you know your time horizon so you can kind of weather the storm. You're holding steady and not making you know, fearful or uh, irrational decisions. And you're able to kind of stick to that. So that's where you know, our interaction with our, our IPMs really makes a big difference in uh, keeping our, our corporations and our, our business owners you know, earning a good return, you know, managing, you can manage those portfolios for tax efficiencies you know, where we're interacting with their CPA or CPA firm of um, is there an opportunity to take some losses to help? You know, what's the best way to manage the account to, to enhance the returns there? Yeah, and getting somebody, like getting that sort of professional and customized expertise. You know, years ago, you needed 10, 15, $20 million to have. You needed to be a pretty big deal to have, you know, a portfolio manager like that looking over and kind of giving you that customized advice with technology and, you know, everything's just scaled so much lately, you can go all the way down to about $500,000. You're still able to build a well-diversified portfolio, but you're incorporating a lot of those things that Mark was talking about, buying individual securities, not being subject kind of to the herd mentality. So if you do have a good disciplined process, you know that when the markets go down, that's the best time to hold on to what you have, maybe even expand and buy some more if you can. You're not subjective to kind of everybody else's poor discipline. So you you get to to take advantage of... uh, your smooth moves, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's, it'd be good to uh, we'll link in our, our, you know, reasons to use a individual portfolio manager into this uh, podcast because the, the, the pros outweigh the cons and, and, you know, just kind of think about it. If, if you're, if you're sitting there just kind of pulling something off the shelf, right. And saying, you know, I'll, I'll kind of buy this pre packaged meal. And I, when I was a bachelor, I mean, I, uh, blue bird or blue, blue something that's, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd, and I'd buy, uh, you know, like 10 of those for the week and you, they're frozen. You just cut the thing out, you dump it in yeah. the frying pan, the little <laughs> pan on the stove and you heat it up, right? It was vegetables. It was, you know, some chicken or some beef or something like that. So it was somewhat healthy, probably a lot of sodium, but that's okay. It was frozen. So maybe not, but that's the way I would eat. Right. But if you have someone, you know, cooking for you with fresh ingredients and they're tending to things and they know what you like specifically how you like it done, that's the main difference. So we do have something other than a sports analogy in there, right? Hey, I, I, I pictured you as a hungry man. Hungry man. <laughs> yeah. I tried those a little bit. Those were, you know, remember I fresh out of college, I was on a teacher's salary. So, you know, it was uh hunger man was like 30 or 40% more expensive than bluebird. Uh, okay. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, you got to take that under consideration. They tasted better, right? They tasted better, but, and, and I don't know, I haven't had one in so long. Bluebird maybe, you know, they may be And hunger man is not sponsoring this video in any way. So <laughs> That's right. we have a, we, have, we don't have a sponsor yet. Do we? we not yet. Legacies is sponsoring the videos. Yeah. Wow. Hopefully. Yeah, good. So I think that's those those are the key takeaways. You know, make sure yes. you're avoiding avoiding the emotions, making sure you're making, you know, good sound decisions based on a growth strategy, making sure you know 
what the corporate win is. And then through all of this, you know, if you're able to let the market grow your money for you, why not? There, there are wrong ways to do it, right? There are wrong ways to do it, wrong amounts of money to select to do it, right? Too high, not enough. But if you can, and there's a long-term period of time that that corporate cash can sit there and work for you, then it can help you pay for things that you don't have to go and sell more or, or perform more work in order to pay for it, right? It's a, it's a great tool in the arsenal and one that's often uh, very much so overlooked. So uh, check out the links in the article below or in the, in the, in the, the, the notes below, uh, both to different links we have for, for uh, how to's from legacy and a couple of other uh, articles that we may have mentioned in this, uh, in the podcast. Uh, and then, you know, just give us a call. If there's a question you have on, on your mind, as far as how to do this or, you know, pass, please uh, uh, pass the video along, share it uh, like our, like a little button over here. I know everybody on these podcasts, they point somewhere like I watched through perfect and they all point in the right direction. So on three, we'll all point and guess which direction to, to, to go in and see which one's right. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, Mark and I are pretty close. Okay. Hopefully uh, we can you get did. the button in that you direction. Did a, you did like, yeah, you know, I guess, what is that? Uh, west. That's, northwest. You northwest. He went that away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. King Salmon salute there. Okay. Thanks guys. Appreciate everything. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you, everybody. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody for joining. Bye-bye. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Three Wins Podcast. We have links to some awesome resources in the show notes. And if you haven't already done so, please click subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes of the Three Wins Podcast. This is Sean Lydon signing off for now. Until next time, we'll see you then.